yourself a merry little Christmas. That's the jingle bell rock. Feliz Navidad, prospero año y felicidad.
Wasn't that incredible? Feliz Navidad! Merry Christmas! God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. We're continuing a series, actually concluding a series entitled Playlist. I'm going to invite you to join me in the Gospel of Luke chapter number 2, whether online or right here in the room. Our notes are on the Westover app. We invite you to join with us. In this series, we have looked in the 184 verses that contain the story, that contain the record of the birth of Jesus and tell it in all of the Gospels. In the Gospel of Luke, there are four songs mentioned. I'm calling it God's playlist. God has a playlist he wants to bring to every one of our lives. The first one we looked at was the song of promise. That was Mary's song. Then Zechariah's song, the song of purpose. Today, we're going to look at the song that the angels sing and the song the shepherds sing, the song of peace and the song of praise. And in this service, some of us are missing the most important thing about Christmas, the most important thing about life, and that's Jesus. And you're going to have the opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior for God to do something fresh and new in your life. For God to introduce the most important thing to you, and that's Jesus. How important is Jesus? Well, the first words we have recorded of the Heavenly Father in the New Testament. It wasn't God saying do something. It wasn't God saying go somewhere. The first recorded words of Jesus in the New Testament is the Heavenly Father when he speaks. The first words he, that's recorded is this. This is my son. I think that's significant. The first words. The father was going to speak where he was going to tell us about his son. So that's what we want to look at today. In the Gospel of Luke chapter number 2, we're going to walk through the account. And I'm going to identify four things that relate to every one of us. There's a moment of no news, a moment of bad news, a moment of breaking news, and a moment of good news. Let's look at the first one. I'm going to call it the moment of, of no news. No news. What, what does that refer to? Well... In the Bible, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, I have a print Bible. There's one page. It's right here. This is the Old Testament. The prophets speaking, God speaking, God speaking by the patriarchs. The Holy Spirit gave us all of this record. Then this one page is between the New Testament and the Old Testament. And here is God speaking in the Gospels, the New Testament epistles. But this one page in our Bible represents 400 what the scholars call 400 silent years. 
Between the Old Testament and New Testament, we have a period of 400 years, which we have no record of God speaking. We have no record of God's workings. We, we don't know if God said a prophet. We don't know if God was doing something. We don't know what God was doing, miracles. There is no recorded record. Hence, the scholars call it the 400 silent years. I'm going to talk about a moment of no news. But in that time, something was occurring. And about, about the 4th century B.C., before Christ, a, a man came across the scene. It was very important in America, excuse me, very important in world history. You can read about it in your history books. It's called Alexander the Great. Before Alexander the Great, the world was broken up into regions, tribes, and, and, and areas. And this area, this group of people spoke this dialect, and this village or this area, this group of people spoke another dialect, this clan spoke another dialect, and they could not communicate with each other. Well, a man by the name of Alexander the Great sweeps the then known world, and he brings what historic, historians call Hellenism, and that is to say that the Greek language and the Greek culture permeated the then known world. All of these countries, all of this region throughout the Middle East and in Europe and beyond and uh, spreading out the, the then known world was, was unified under one common language. Interesting enough, the New Testament is written in the Greek language. Following that, uh, when Alexander the Great passed away, a, another major empire came, and that's the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was less sophisticated, but they were strong military might. And they were able to keep the Roman Empire together and keep their strength and, and dominate the world at that particular time through military might. And the only way they could do that through military might is they had to build a road system that they could quickly dispatch soldiers, legions of soldiers, to anywhere there was an uprising. And that's how they were to control and able to sustain the Roman Empire. And hence we get the phrase today, all roads lead to Rome. Literally every road at that time was from Rome to a region, to a country, to a place, to a city, to a village, to a people group. And that's how they dominated the world. So during the time when there was no news in this in this 400 silent years, the world had been unified under one language and the world now had, the then known world had a road system where you could get from point A to point B. Historians tell us if Jesus had come a hundred years earlier that the, Christian, the Christianity would have been a local dialect and we would have never heard about it. But we're in a church today and we're worshiping Jesus. We're lifting up songs of praise. Why? Because during a 400 silent year period, there was a, a, a unified language and there was a road system put in place that when Jesus came along, the gospel could be preached in many different lands because there was one dialogue. There would be a book called the New Testament written in Greek that could communicate and there was a road system that the disciples and the apostle Paul would journey down and the gospel was able to spread from Jerusalem to the then known world, conquered the world in over 2 billion people today on planet earth, they follow a man because they follow a man named Jesus because God was working in a 400 silent years. God teaches us a lesson that when we, when we're in life and we can't hear God, God is still working. And here's the lesson God is teaching never mistake God's silence for God's absence. Never mistake God's silence in your life for God's absence. You may not be hearing God right now. You may be in a no-news area in your life. 
You may be praying prayers and your prayer requests have not been answered. Perhaps you're saying, God, I, I, I'm on the standby list and I'm waiting, God, and I haven't heard you. And it may seem like God doesn't even have you on his radar system right now. You may be a single and you say, I have saved myself and I have, I have prayed and believed God to send the right person into my life so we can serve God together as a couple. And you're in that moment saying, God, where is it going to come to pass? And God, how is it going to be? I, I followed your plan and I don't know what you're doing and I don't see anything coming to pass. If you're in a no news area of life, never mistake God's silence for God's absence. And we learned that in one page, silent page in the Bible, God was working in 400 years, so preparing the world for the gospel to go everywhere. Then following the no news area, we have another, an, an, another moment. I'm going to call it the bad news. It's found in, in Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. In fact, it's the first phrase of of verse number one in the scripture there, it says, and in the days of Caesar Augustus, that's bad news. Caesar Augustus was the, was the nephew of, of Julius Caesar, uh, the, the Roman Empire. And they established the Roman Empire by military might. Caesar Augustus, he was reigning. They, they considered the Caesar, Caesar considered himself a deity. In the Roman era, you were to honor Caesar, not just in homage, but you, you had to, he was considered a deity. He was considered a god. And nothing could, could usurp the authority of a, of a Caesar. And, and he was so dominant. In fact, Caesar Augustus, that's how we get our month August from. They so honored Caesar Augustus that one month of the year was named after him. And he brought in taxation. And if you were to travel down one of the Roman roads, you had to pay a tax. And then the Romans would come in based upon how your, your crops and based upon your livestock. And they would tax you. They were always extracting from you. And here we went from, from no news to all of a sudden bad news. It's in the days of Caesar Augustus. You would think, God, do something good. God, change this. They were praying, God, take us out from underneath Roman rule. Take us out from underneath these tyrants that are taking our money, that are abusing us and keeping us under the heel of the, of the Roman eagle. We want to be free. We want to we serve God. And they were crying out to the Lord. And it seems like they went from no news to bad news. Have you ever been there? Have you ever gone from... The no news area in your life to the bad news? If so, don't mistake God in, in that moment. Don't mistake doing without his God doing nothing in your life. Yeah, they were doing without. The, the, the Romans were taking their, their livelihood through taxation and just chewing away at their income. And they were, they were already poor and they were, they were struggling, scratching to get by. And it just seems like they, they went from a no news moment to a bad news moment. And in those times, if, if you're doing without, don't think God's doing nothing. Have you ever noticed that often right before God does the best and brings the best news in your life, there's some bad news that might precede that? It's almost like the bad news readies us for God's spectacular. It was, it was after Lazarus died that Jesus said, come forth, Lazarus. And he walked out of the tomb. It was when they said, we have no means to feed these 5,000 hungry people. Send them away. That Jesus said, okay, let me take one lunch and feed them all. Sometimes before the best news in life comes, 
some bad news will come along our way. Some of us, some of us, you've got some bad news. You, you've got a diagnosis. You've got a verdict. You heard news that that's, that's you, you prayed and believed God. You went from no news to bad news. You say, God, what are you doing? God's about to bring some different news in your life. Yes, I remember when I was in Bible school. When I was in Bible school, they had chalkboards. There's a board that was on the wall that was green. Let me just explain it to some of us. And there was these long sticks called chalk, and they would write on. There was no computer. They would write. And, and some of us are going to grow up and never hear the sound of chalk on a chalkboard. That screeching, that screeching sound that just kind of arrests you and wakes you up in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? I remember we were in a class one day in a Bible school class and a professor walked up and in block letters he wrote on the chalkboard all across, disappointment. We studied it. We were wondering what he was going to say. He let us pause a moment. Then he took an eraser and he went up and he erased the D. And then with a piece of chalk he put the letter H. And here's what he told the class and I'll never forget it. He said, your disappointment is often his appointment. Oh, I like that. I like that. That God, God in our bad news moment, we say, God, it can get no worse. God, you've dropped me. God, you've forgotten about me. God, you've abandoned me. In your disappointment, in your bad news moment, can I tell you, God has good news on the horizon. We learned that in the days of Caesar Augustus. It's almost like in the worst, the worst news moment of life, Jesus is going to show up. And then we go to breaking news. Breaking news. This is found verse number one through verse number four. Let me just give a summation. It says, Caesar Augustus, he issued a decree that a census should be taken and the entire Roman world should be taxed. Everyone went to their own town to register. So here we are, Mary and Joseph, we go from no news to bad news to the breaking news. Okay, Mary and Joseph, Mary, you're, you're, you're about to give birth to a child. You're, you're a spouse uh, uh, spouse there, uh, Joseph is going to have to take you by donkey on this arduous, difficult journey, announcing to you, you've been taxed. You've been taxed on, your, on everything you own, but we're going to announce you the breaking news is Caesar wants to tax you more. The breaking news is you've got to get up at the worst moment, at the most inconvenient time. Breaking news is, guess what? We're going to go from bad news to disappointing news. Have you ever had that a moment? Yeah. Did you start the year off saying, you know what, by the end of this year, we're going to be out of debt. And now you have more debt than you've ever had. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is going to be different. This, this year is going to be great. I, I, I know I'm going to get a promotion this year. And then they bring the breaking news. No one is, no one is getting a new position and, and, and all pays are frozen for this year. Has your breaking news been been disappointing news for you? You ever been there? You're hoping for the best and it doesn't get better? The breaking news almost seems like disappointing news. When you're in that moment, never mistake imperfection for incompletion. 
Don't take the moment that seems like it's, it's not right, it's not what it should be. God, that's not what I pray for. God, not what I believe. It's not what your word says. The Bible says abundance, and I'm at the bottom of the barrel. The Bible says a joy unspeakable, but I have a pain unbearable. I, the Bible says we should ha- be happy and full of joy, and I am miserable in my state. I, I am losing sleep. I, 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 I don't know what's going on in my life right now, and the breaking news comes, and it feels like disappointing news. And you say, I'm going to live a less than perfect life. Never mistake imperfection for incompletion. Oh, God, I guess you gave up on me. God, I guess, God, it works for people in the Bible. I guess it works for other people, but it cannot work for me. We can get in that moment where we feel like we're going to live and we're doomed to less than what God has for us. Had a lady in the church just recently, we were talking. And she began to describe to me her about her career paths as I asked her. I said, well, what led you to this? She said, well, I was going to school. I was enrolled in a local university. I'd made application for a particular field of study. And I was accepted. It's the very field I wanted to go in. It's the thing that I just enjoyed. It's the thing that I thought I wanted to do the rest of my life. And I received my acceptance letter. But right before classes were to begin, the university contacted me and said, oh, no, we made a mistake. What are you talking about? Well, there is another student with the same first name, same middle name, same last name as you, had the same birthday, everything. And we sent you her acceptance letter. We made a mistake. She is the one that's been accepted into this program and not you. And she just all of a sudden with the breaking news just sunk. She said, what am I going to do? They began to talk, and the university said, well, we could do this and do this. And they began to talk and forth. Well, how about this? They said, well, I never thought about that. Well, she went down that path. She said, I went down that path. I graduated. I love my career. I love my career. My career is a growing career. My career is something that I never thought I would be good at, and I'm good at, and I enjoy it. Not only that, the field that I was going to go in, that I wanted to go in, that I got the acceptance letter, but the door closed on it. It is a shrinking field. Technology is replacing it. And had I got into there, my field career would have been shrinking and my pay would have not been growing. But now I'm in a career that's growing and developing and I love what I'm doing. She said, it was a disappointment, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Here's what I'm saying. Never mistake imperfection for incompletion. It may not be all you want, but God sees something that you and I don't see and God can bring it to pass and that brings me number four to the good news the good news is found in Luke chapter number two verse eight through ten this is the account it says and there were shepherds living out in the field nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Can I tell you, God is in the good news business. You may feel like there's no news. You may feel like there's bad news. You may feel like there's breaking news that's disappointing news. But God has good news on the horizon. God is going to do something that's bigger and better than we can even imagine. Jesus introduces to us the hope. None of us are stuck where we're at. And God invades our life with something better. God has a making great life for us. And God's saying, follow Jesus and you will find that making great life. Now let me break it down. There are two songs that are given to us in Scripture in the account of the birth of Jesus. 
We've talked about two already, the song of promise and the song of purpose. But now I'm going to share with you the song of peace and the song of praise. It's God's pray playlist. God wants to put this song on your playlist. The song of peace is found in verse number 13 and 14. It says, and suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, here's the song. It's not on iTunes, okay? It's not on YouTube. It's, it's right here in the Bible. There's a song recorded for us. Here, the playlist of peace. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. One version says, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And God extends to people peace, peace. If there's anything our world needs today, it's peace. Oh, I look at the news in Aleppo and Syria. I look at the tensions in America. There's, there, there's, 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 there's just turmoil. There's an undercurrent. There's, there's unrest in our land. And the mistake the world is making is we think that that outer peace is how we ought to focus. Yeah, so, well, let's get, a, let's get peace officers on the, on the beat. Or let's get a peacekeeping force. And, and we, we're, we're, we're trying to tamp down the hostility and the, and the turmoil. We'll sign a peace treaty. We'll, we're, we're always, we'll go join the Peace Corps. Yes, we're, we're trying to manufacture peace in our world because really many of us think that peace is no more than a lack of turmoil, a lack of conflict. Some of you say I, uh, the, the home is peaceful right now, but it's not really peace. There may not be conflict, but it's, it's, not what, it's not what you intended. Some of you in the holiday, that's what you're looking for. I want, I want some peace and quiet. Can I tell you? You're not going to get either one of them. <laughs> no, you'll be up late. You, 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 you won't get any rest. No, you, you, you're, you're already planning, oh, I'm going to just kick back and just have a good time, and I'm going to have three or four days, and, and you don't even know your mother-in-law's coming over. <laughs> yeah, but peace and quiet is not going to happen. No, you, you're the, some of you think if I could just have some, some peace of mind. If I, if I could just have some peace on Do you know that's what life insurance companies use to sell you life insurance? This will give you peace of mind. It will give me peace of mind to know upon my demise, Denise could pay off the house and, and get a Mercedes. That, that's going to give me peace of mind when I am sick. That might influence her prayers for me. Oh, my goodness. Oh my, oh, 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 my goodness, yeah. Uh, uh, she may be taking my temperature and looking at the, online at, at a new car at the same time. No, wait, wait a minute here. That's supposed to give me peace of mind. That's not the kind of peace God talks about. We're trying to manufacture outward peace. The kind of peace it talks about in the Bible is a Hebrew word called shalom. 
the shalom of God. When you would greet somebody in the Hebrew culture, you would say shalom. When you would say goodbye to somebody in the Hebrew culture, you would say shalom to them. You're saying, I wish you God's best. May you prosper. May you be in good health. May good things come to you. May you live long. May good things come to your children. May good things come to your family. It's all inclusive of your whole life. It is the shalom of God. And here the angels came and they have a song to sing. And guess what? It's the shalom of God. God is saying for every one of us, I want to bid you blessing. I want to enrich your life. I want you to see through Jesus things can happen for you and in you that cannot happen on your own. There's not a pill. There's not a counselor. There's not somebody else. There's not a quick fix. There's not a getaway. There's not, this is peace on the inside. And here's what God is teaching us when there's peace on the inside. There will be peace on the outside. And the world has missed that. Yes. And it just reveals to us there's two kinds of peace. There's the peace of God. But it requires peace with God. And there are many people, and I dare say many of us in this room, we pray for the peace of God. You come to forward and you ask me or prayer team member, I'm going through this at work, and I'm going through this in my family, and there's this turmoil. I don't feel good, and I made a mistake. I just want the peace of God. I just, I want God to lift the heaviness on my heart, and I, I just want God to make me feel good. I, I need to get over feeling bad about some of the decisions I made, and you're praying for the, for the peace of God. But in order to have the peace of God, it's required. It's required that you make peace with God. You have to have the peace with God in order to have the peace of God. And that's, that's where many of us are at. And that's where American Christianity is today. We, we, we have gone into this easy believism where we no longer have a conversion of the heart. We have a conversation at a low point in our life. Yes, yes. We, we we're self-designing Jesus. We want, we want full-time peace and a part-time Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you stay in this area. Jesus, don't talk to me about my attitude, my lifestyle, my decisions, my behavior, the what I do, how I spend my money, the decisions I make. Jesus, I want you to be 911. When I have a low moment and I mess up, I can call upon you. You come in and you fix it. You make me feel good. And when I feel good, I'll go back to making my decisions, living my life, and doing the same lifestyle I had before. And that will never bring peace. Um, the world is trying it and hostility still rage in our societies today it requires peace with God in order to have the peace of God yes it's saying to Jesus yes God's way and yes all the way yes God I'll do it your way and I'll do it all the way not part way not occasionally some of us, we just, we want a part-time Jesus. We want, we want Jesus to stay, stay in that corner. Let me manage life and what I can't manage. I'll just punt to you. And Jesus is saying, you want peace? You got to have peace with God. You got to make Jesus the center. You got to be, he needs to be the center of our life. He, he needs to be the source of our life. He needs to be the, the value of our life. He, he, he needs to be the, the focal point of our decisions. We need to surrender to Jesus. And when our heart is surrendered to Jesus, guess what? Then the peace of God floods our heart. 
my wife, and uh, she, she loves nativities sets. She loves nativity sets. We have no less than six nativity sets in our house right now. We have a, we have a crystal one. We have a wooden one. We have porcelain ones. She has them all over the house. My wife enjoys. She loves nativity sets. When I went in the attic the other day and I'm getting out nativity sets, I don't say which one. She would tell me which ones. Get this one and get that one. Look over there. Yes, that's the box. We get them all down. We take them in the house. My wife loves setting out nativity sets. She enjoys them so much. But in just a few days, in just a few days, Christmas will be over. So we'll gather them all up. We have boxes for them. And I was thinking about it. We'll come over here. We'll put them all back in. And we have a box that has a styrofoam, white styrofoam container. And there's these little designs cut out that each, each part of the nativity just fits in perfectly. And Jesus, there's a little place cut out for Jesus. And Jesus will be the same size he was last year. Yeah. Jesus has never grown up. He just, in all of our nativity, says that Jesus is the same size. He stays baby Jesus, and we'll put Jesus, and we never have to get a bigger box. We just put, and we'll put Jesus and everybody else back in the attic until next year. And I wonder how many of us have a, have a relationship with God just like that. That Jesus is the same size he was a year ago or three years ago. He's not dominating anymore. He's not taking control of our decisions. He's not coming into our life. Oh, he's there just to make us feel good and warm us from time to time. No wonder we don't have the peace of God because we haven't made peace with God. Jesus doesn't want to stay in a little small category in your life. Jesus wants to come into your life. It needs to be Jesus, yes, your way, and Jesus all the way. That's what I'm talking about. And in just a few moments, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life, the Lord of your life. And the angels sing the song, the song of peace, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Huh. Last phrase. On those to whom his favor rests, one version, goodwill towards men. You're probably not aware of this, but in the area of, of theology, there's a debate on that last line in the verse. Yeah. Verse number 14, there's a debate. Some believe because of the, the structure of the, of the language the phrase has been, should be turned around. It should not, according to some, read uh, goodwill towards men, but it should read men of goodwill. Huh. Not goodwill towards men, but men of goodwill. What does that mean? It comes under a doctrine called predestination, and it is a theory by some. It's not accepted by me, and it's not accepted by this church. But there is a theory among many that God predetermines those who are going to be saved, and God predetermines certain ones that are going to be damned. There is a theory that God predetermines. He selects ahead of time. He looks for men of goodwill. Oh, kind of like parents do. You've been good. You behaved well. Guess what? You're going to get cookies. But if you haven't behaved well, guess what? You don't get any cookies. You're put in the, the naughty list. You're put, in, you're put over the 
there. You're not men of goodwill, so God doesn't give peace to you. In fact, there's a 14th century uh, Spanish painter that painted the, 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 the image of, of, of Michael and the weighing of souls. And in the artist's depiction, it's Michael the archangel with a scale. And in each side of the scale, there is a soul. And there is one of goodwill and one lacking goodwill. And the souls are being weighed. And Michael will pluck up one and take to heaven, but he will doom the other to damnation and separation from God. And there are some that would espouse that God predetermines and preselects those who deserve it the most. They're the people of goodwill and upon them will come peace. Can I tell you, this Bible does not preach this. This Bible said, whosoever will, let him come. He's not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to everlasting life. I may have had the worst day. I may have been the worst person. I may have ignored God. I may have turned my back upon God, but God doesn't turn his back upon us. God doesn't unfriend people. God extends his heart through Jesus. And this was the invitation of the angel. It's goodwill towards all people and no one is excluded. You're not excluded. You're not left out. You don't deserve it. I don't earn it. It's a gift freely given. You make peace with God. And God says he'll give you the peace of God. There's a second song. Let me cover it very quickly. It's found in verse number 20. It's the song of praise. It's the account of the shepherds. And it says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things he had, all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as been told them. The shepherds, after all this celebration and the song of peace, the Bible says, and the shepherds returned, praising God, glorifying him for all they had seen and heard. And the question that comes to my mind as I read that, what song did they sing? Huh? What song did they sing? The Bible lists Mary's song. The Bible records Zacharias. The Bible records the angel song. But the Bible does not record the song the shepherds sang. They went praising God, but no song is listed. So I asked myself the question, what song is not listed? Holy Spirit, why didn't you write down the song? Why isn't it included in Scripture? I have two thoughts on this matter. I'm not God, I don't know which one it is, but I have two thoughts on why that song is not listed. Could it be, could it be it was a song for just a moment? Could it be God just gave them a song that was just for that shepherd and just for that moment? Can I tell you? God can give you a song. God can give families a song when they're in, they've got a loved one in intensive care. God can give a, a family a song when they're going through the hardest financial woes of their life. God can give you a song, parents, when your heart is broken for your son and daughter. God can give you a song for that moment. 
that's designed just for you, it's a word of praise. It's something you're going to glorify God. It's something you're going to hold on to. It's something you're going to shout out to God and say, God, I'm going to live on this during this time. Oh, single parents, there will be times you'll go through it and God will give you just a song for you in the moment. He'll carry you through that duress and that stress. He has songs for just certain moments. Or could it be? Or could it be? They sang the song the angels were singing. I'm caught by that. It says they were praising God for all the things they had heard. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be they were singing the same song of the angels? That's why it's not in there. They were singing the same song of praise the angels were singing. What does that teach us? It teaches us this. If you don't have a new song, you just keep singing the song God gave you. You just keep singing the song God gave you. You may be in a, you may be in a no news moment. You may be in a bad news moment. You're hoping and praying for good news. But if God hasn't given you a new word of praise, if God hasn't given you something new to hold on to, you just hold on to what God has already given you. You hold on to the song, the promise, the word, what he is depositing your you just sing that you hold on to what god has already said to you you walk in what god has already told you and god will see you through it if the only song you have is the song you had from earlier this year then you sing it with all your might and you hold on to that with all of your faith don't give up on god because he gives songs of praise He'll give you one. There's some of us in this room. Some of us, we need to make peace with God, though. With God, to have the peace of God. We've been, we've been in the suburbs with God, but we haven't, we haven't gone into the city limits with God. What am I saying? Oh, you, you believe in God, and you're interested in God, and... There's a small place in your life for God, but you haven't really gone all the way with God and gone all the way in with Him. You haven't really said, Jesus, your way, and Jesus, I'm going to go all the way, and I'm going to give you that moment, that opportunity. In this service, to make a heart surrender to Jesus, to make Jesus your Lord, to make Jesus your Savior. Not halfway, not occasionally, but to go all in with God. And if you're at that in-between, if you're at that almost place, and you need to make a heart surrender to Jesus, I'm going to invite you to do that today. So across this auditorium, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes.